You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Uh, man, it's an exciting time of year. It's Christmas. We got the decorations up. Uh, my, uh, my cousin Ken and his wife come in here um, for all the different holidays and they decorate. I'm thankful for them. They do a good job. And we got the beautiful Christmas trees. You go, to, uh, you go to do a lot of things during this time of year. You visit family. You have a lot of different uh, maybe traditions that you may do. Uh, one of the things that uh, is really uh, prominent, if you will, in our culture, in our society, I know especially in my family, uh, is the, the, the act of gift buying and gift giving. And, uh, you know, uh, for us, we have a, a pretty large extended family. And I think many of you are like this, where you'll kind of put, na- last week we sat around the table and we put our name down and we put what we wanted and then we put it in a pile and everybody drew a name so you don't have to buy for a whole bunch of people. There's like 978 grandkids and nephews and nieces that I have now. And so I'm like trying to think, okay, if I, if I budget like $3 for each kid, I'm still going to be in debt like insane amount. So, uh, but we, no, we've done good. Uh, my wife just went to dirt cheap. And uh, listen, if you've never been to dirt cheap, it'll change your life in one of two ways. It's just, it's pretty wild. Uh, it's an amazing place if you can stand the disorganization. But if you stay there for like four hours, I'll tell my wife, look, if you let me go golf, I'll let you go to dirt cheap for four hours and I'll watch the kids. And she's like, deal. So she goes there and she gets a ton of crazy, amazing deals. I know a lot of the uh, women in our church love it as well. And so we shop, uh, we, we try to buy gifts for everybody and do all these things and it's exciting and we love doing it. It's a really good time. But uh, the average, I thought I'd share some of these statistics with you. The average uh, American during Christmas shops for um, and buys gifts for eight people. Uh, women buy for 9.4 on average, and men are 6.7. So women, congratulations, you're more generous than men. And uh, we all know that because men are just stingy. But uh, the average total spending for gifts by an American is $859. Some of you might be like, wow, that's a lot. And some of you might be like, well, you know, that's about what I spend. Um, some of you might be like, well, I spend a lot more than that. Uh, the average, like I said, is $859, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide buying Christmas gifts. Well, we don't just buy Christmas gifts, right? You got gifts for birthdays. My brother's birthday, my brother Joe, he just had his 30th birthday uh, just a couple days ago. And uh, I can't wait. That we, our, the family pitched in some money and we bought him a really, really cool gift. And I'm not going to say yet because uh, I don't want him to hear it. But it's going to be a really, really exciting gift. We're excited about it. And I think what's interesting is most everybody in here would have some type of understanding of what I'm talking about when I say that sometimes it's good to give, but it's nice to receive every now and then, right? Uh, I've had some amazing gifts in my lifetime. I've been blessed with uh, some parents who, who really invested in gift buying. My dad is like, that's one of his love languages, is giving gifts. And um, as a kid, I could think of a, a lot of different gifts. Probably the, the, the most memorable gift I had from him growing up, I was 16, and uh, we... Uh, uh, my mom was sick a lot when I was that age, and my dad was out of town a lot and uh, really busy, and so they needed to get me a car so I could scoot around and bring my brother Joe and, uh, to, to school and other places. And we, uh, my dad bought me a 1999 Lincoln Continental. It was the coolest car ever, dude. And uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was all black, and the windows were blacked out. And the coolest thing about the car 
Well, it did have a sunroof, which was cool. But the coolest thing was it had a six CD changer. So like I could put CDs in the changer and you could just, I was like, you could push a button and it would switch CDs. And I was like, this is the coolest thing that's ever existed. Now we've got iPods and we've got the USB ports and things like that. But back in the day, and now we got Bluetooth, you don't even need any cords. But back in the day, it was really cool. I know some of you are thinking, well, I remember when, just let me, you know, let me, let me indulge in my uh, history here. But we had a good time that, you know, the six CD changer, you could put like the CD that you didn't want your parents to listen to. And you could like have that at number six and you just click number one when they get in the car. So uh, the six CD changer was there and that was, uh, that was really cool. And the Lincoln Continental was one of my favorite gifts material-wise. Uh, but, but actually what he ended up doing was after a while, uh, growing up, I received, a, you know, Christmas gifts. But what he changed from material-wise, he didn't buy us something that we could use. He, would, he changed uh, for me and my brother Joe uh, when we were young, um, doing a NBA basketball trip during Christmas time. So instead of buying us a Christmas gift that we would use and be done within a couple months, he bought, uh, he bought us tickets to go uh, make memories and watch NBA games. And we love watching the NBA. We got to watch Michael Jordan play live. Um, we got to watch LeBron James on his 19th birthday, which was like 300 years ago. Uh, we, got to, we got to watch a lot of really cool NBA games to make a ton of memories together. And we still do it to this day. And uh, it's really exciting. And, uh, and I loved it. I just took my kids to their first game uh, in San Antonio. And it's just kind of cool how you can see it come full circle, just making those memories with uh, your kids as a family. So I've received a lot of good gifts. And I think we all at some point maybe have received a good gift, maybe given a good gift. But the greatest gift uh, that ever was given was 2,000 years ago. And on the legit first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me his son so that I could have eternal life in him. And that's what we're going to talk about this next four weeks in Advent season. We're going to have an Advent series, if you will, for four weeks. And we're going to talk about four words. The first word is love. Then we're going to go to joy, peace, and hope. And so this first week, as I take the time to kind of indulge in this first word, love, I'd like to make the connection between that word love and the greatest gift and the gift that keeps on giving. John 3.16 says this, For this is how God loved the world. How did he love the world? How did he do it? How did God love? How did he prove his love? He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us. How did he show? How did God, how did God show his love for the world? How did he show his love to us? He showed his great love to us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God showed and proved his love by giving we can see this throughout all scripture, and that was motivated by love. Here's the key point that I want to give out today and that we're going to kind of talk about over the next uh, few minutes. And, and, and by the way, I just have one piece of paper, so it's nice. Sometimes when you see a pastor and he brings up like 14 pages, you're like, oh boy. It's one piece, all right? So we're good to go. It's not going to be super long this morning. Uh, my one key point that I want to bring out is this. Love is the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So first of all, let's answer this question quickly. Why does God love us? Why does God love us? Did we do anything to deserve his love? We're singing these songs earlier, and I love hearing and listening to the lyrics of some of these songs. Like, why? 
What did we do? Did we, did we before we were born, we, we pushed this button that says, you know, God, we're deserving of this. What button did we push? What, what did we do to earn God's love? In fact, we just read a passage of Scripture that pretty much proves that we didn't do anything to earn his love. Romans 5, 8 told us that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, why does God love us? The answer to that question is this, because that is simply who he is. And I'm going to use a double negative for you English people. Sorry out there, the English majors. God cannot not love. He cannot not love. It's an impossibility. It's not just a personality trait. It's not just, oh, well, that's just, that's just kind of, uh, you know, part, you know, he's kind of adapted and he's kind of learned how to, like, that, no, love is who God is. First John 4, we're going to spend our uh, majority of our time in the message going through First John 4 and reading a few different passages in this chapter. But let's start in verse 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. I want you to picture real quick the mountain valley water spring. Mountain Valley Water, I don't know if many of you knew this, but Mountain Valley Water uh, is actually the water of the White House. And it's been the water of the White House. If you were to go there, they serve uh, Mountain Valley Water. And they've served it actually before Bill Clinton even went into office. Uh, I believe it went back to Teddy Roosevelt. They served Mountain Valley Water in the White House for decades. Uh, You'll see celebrities uh, drinking it. It's a pretty popular water. And Mountain Valley Water comes from a local spring. And this spring projects this water, and from that spring, there is life given. There is water that is given to millions. Well, let's picture real quick that, the, that, that love starts with, with this fountain, this spring. The source of love is God. We are the stream. And as people experience life with us, we are to be just basically the love of God to other people so that they can have Life. They have and experience God's love. That's where love comes from. Love comes from God, and continuing on in this passage, anyone who loves is a child of God, and and I want you to pay attention to this word here, knows God. This word knows uh, is actually, um, the, the Greek word for that is hinosko, which means knowledge by experience. Okay? So we know God, meaning we've experienced God's love. You see, I think that a big problem in uh, Christianity and in the church today, and I think even it's crept into gospel light and it's crept into my life, is that we quit experiencing God's love. We, we, think, we, we think of this salvation as a one-time thing in the sense of, yes, it's a one-time thing and we get saved once saved, always saved, but like, we just think, okay, well, that's just, it's over now. Now we just go live our own lives. And we quit growing in that love and quit growing in our understanding of that love and experiencing that love. And the problem with that is that the more that you experience somebody's love, the more that you're able to understand and give that love back. But we quit understanding it and we quit experiencing that love. We sang a song, uh, Reckless Love, just a, a few minutes ago. And as I was singing that song, I was just so moved. Thinking about the lyrics to that song. The overwhelming love of God, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. 
I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. You just think about the lyrics. There's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall. Every time I sing that line, there's no wall you won't kick down. I want to just, there's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. You just think about God's love. And when you think about it, you're just like, wow, I'm overwhelmed. Have you experienced God's love today? For humans, this concept is really hard to understand. Why? Because we made love a choice. That's what we've made it. Love is conditional. I will love, I will love Brother Jeremy as long as he doesn't get on my bad side. I will love my wife as long as she treats me this way or does this. Or if she does this, then I'm, it's, the love's not there. We, we, uh, we played a game. I coach uh, the men's basketball team for champion. I have a few of my guys here, and they'll know what I'm talking about. We were playing a game yesterday at ULM, UL Monroe. And uh, it was the last of our D1 games. And when you play these bigger schools with 13,000 students, you, you tend to get beat pretty bad, okay? So uh, they'll, they'll pay you money and, to come play them so that you can fund your program to be able to play your conference games. And so we were down by 30-something points at this time. And it was in the second half, and... and uh, and one of our guys um, pushed one of their guys and, and, and received a technical foul for it. And so I took him out of the game and I, didn't, I really didn't see what had happened before. And after the game, I confronted him and we talked about like what had happened. And he said, well, coach, he said, actually, what happened was, he said, their player, number one, he, he came in and he elbowed me in the chest. And not like, you know, an incidental, like he was just being physical. He actually like came in and on purpose, like get out of my way, like elbowed him in his chest and called him a word. And, and so uh, our, our culture says, if somebody does that to you, well, you just, you just do it right back. Because they deserve, they deserve, that guy deserved to be pushed. That's the, that's the word that I think we use often. He deserved it. She deserved it. And yet, this is so anti-Christian. It's so anti-God. We just read in Romans 5, 8, he showed his great love to us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Love is not a choice. Love is a part of who we are as a Christian. So, with this thought in mind, and we know why God loves us, and it's just simply who he is, and then, then why should we love others? No, give me some, give me, explain to me why I should love others. I get, okay, I'll love my wife, I'll love my kids, but why should I love others? Why should I love my enemies? Why should I love the other people in the church? Why should I love you fill in the blank? Well, let's go through 1 John, and let's take a look at a few of these verses, and let's do uh, three different reasons why we should love others. The first reason is this, because it is what a Christ follower does. If I were to go around the room and I was to ask, are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christian? I would think most everybody, maybe not everybody, but most everybody in this room would say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. If that's the case, that's the number one reason that we should love. Let's look at 1 John 4, 7. It says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's pretty clear in Scripture that if we are a Christ follower, we love. Now, what does it tell us if we do not love? 
it tells us one of two things. It tells us that maybe our love isn't perfect and it's growing and we're working at it and maybe we have issues. Or, or number two, it tells us that we're just not a Christ follower. And maybe there's somebody in here today who needs to consider, man, have I experienced this love and am I a true Christ follower? One of the things that I wanted to point out real quickly and lastly in, the, in this verse, in, in verse 7, it says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. See, our love doesn't have to be perfect but it needs to be present. If love isn't present in your life, it doesn't have to be perfect. But as long as it's present, and it's continually present, then that's a good sign. That means that we're getting closer to Jesus. And we'll see this actually further on in this passage. Number two, the second reason why, is because it reveals God to others. Why should I love? Says it right here in 1 John. Let's move on in the passage. Let's look at verse 11 through 13. It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Listen to this. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Did you realize that there are millions and billions of people that are not in church this morning and have never experienced God's love. There are thousands of people in this city. There are hundreds of people. If we were to go around this community, there are hundreds of people right here in this community that aren't in church, that don't believe in the love of God, and they're not Christ followers, and they're not in this building. And I think sometimes we get so comfortable. We're in church. We, oh, we've got God's love. That's cool. Oh, we're, we're, we're chilling. I'm going to heaven. Who cares about them? Well, I, no, I don't think that, but, but we act like that. Because sometimes the only Jesus and the only love that they will see, true God's love that they'll see, is from a passionate Christ follower. We see it right here. God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God, listen to this, God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. God, uh, you ever heard in the, in the Bible, um, many of you have, I'm sure, but I don't like to assume, you've heard of the fruit of the spirit. Many people say that word fruits of the spirit. It's not fruits of the spirit, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's one fruit and that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Those things are automatically things that you get instilled in you when you become a Christian. I've used this example whenever uh, I'm, de I'm dealing with youth often. I just gave this example last, last Wednesday. We look at a Christmas tree and we say, wow, that Christmas tree looks really nice. In fact, this Christmas tree doesn't even have ornaments on it. Some Christmas trees have nice ornaments. It has a nice star at the top. It has a nice ribbon running down it. They look really good, but there's no life giving from that Christmas tree. It looks good, and it, it's got the lights on it, and it's really, it's really natural and perfect looking. But then we look at an apple tree, and we say, well, that's not as pretty. That doesn't glow. That doesn't have ornaments on it. But an apple tree gives life because it has fruit. As a Christian, we should be giving life. Are we giving life to others? The natural fruit of a Christian is the first thing it says, the fruit of the Spirit, if you are a Christian, the fruit of the Spirit that you've given is love. Not a conditional love. 
but an unconditional love that is no choice. We just love because that's who we are because we want to be more like Jesus. Number three, and the last reason, number one, we, we should love because we're a Christ follower and that's what Christ followers do. Number two, because it reveals God to others and we want to make sure that we're loving people to Jesus, making it really hard for somebody from Hot Springs to go to hell. That's a, that'd be an amazing thought for us. And number three, and lastly, because it shows our understanding of God's love for us. I want to park here for like three or four minutes. Let's look in, in, in this passage, 1 John 4, right? Let's go down a little bit in the Bible, verse 16 through 19. Look at those first words. We know how much God loves us. Do we? I could argue that many of us could say, oh, I know God's love for me. I, I understand it. Do you? Do, do I? Do we think about it often? One of the things that my mom does, and she's done it for a long time, is she has what she calls a God loves me sign. And, and one of her God's love me signs is McDonald's french fries, randomly. I have no really clue why. I guess when she sees McDonald's french fries, she's like, God loves me. He's provided these french fries, and I love these french fries. And, and that's something that she has chosen, and she has other things. My grandma, uh, my nana down in New Orleans, she, she has butterflies. So every time she sees a butterfly, whether it's a real one or a fake one or a picture of one, she just remembers that God loves her. Um, I had a friend who it was uh, flamingo. Like when she, I was like, I don't know if that's like, you might want to get something that happens more often. I don't know how many often you, talk, often you see a flamingo. For me, I have two random ones. Uh, one, every time I pick up like change off the ground. Um, I, it's a penny or a dime or something. I pick the, the, you know, it's like a habit. I'm like, ooh, money, you know? So I pick it up. I used to go to the hospital when, when I'd visit family and stuff, and I wouldn't go visit them. I'd go to the vending machines and look underneath, and I'd find all the change. And one of the things that I've always done is every time I pick up change, I always thank God for his provision for me. You love me because you provide for me. You provide, and even if it's a penny, it's just the thought that God provides and he loves me. Another one is when I look myself in the mirror. I look at myself in the mirror. I, I try to choose something I do every day. Probably could have chosen the fridge. would have been a good one too. But for me, looking in the mirror, right? Every, t- every morning I'll wake up and I look at myself in the mirror. Every night that I wake up by myself or, or, or go to bed and, and before I go to bed, I brush my teeth and look at myself in the mirror. I just thank God for his love for me. And sometimes when you're walking down, you know, you're walking downtown and you look at yourself in the reflection. Don't act like you don't do that. You look at the reflection in the window and you're kind of looking at yourself. And I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty ugly Asian dude, bald right there. Just, man, God loves that dude right there. That's wild. That doesn't make any sense. What's your God loves you sign? Well, that's childish, Mo. That, that's not a, I mean, are you kidding me? Really? A God loves me sign? Well, the reason I say that is we'll look uh, further on in this passage of scripture. I'll show you why that is a very important thing for us to do. Let's look further on in the scripture. For we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. This is all stuff that we're saying, and it's just confirming all this. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Remember, it's growing. But we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Are we living like Jesus? How did Jesus live? We'll talk about that in just a second. Such fear, excuse me, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Listen to this part. And this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. We love each other because he loved us 
first. The reason that many people in the church and the reason that I myself throughout my lifetime has struggled loving people like I should is because I am not understanding God's love for me perfectly right there. When you are thinking about God, just think about this, take a moment, get rid of all distractions. Uh, When you take a moment and just think about God's love for you and what he did for you, even though you are who you are and, and how you are, God still loves you. He still died for you. He still provides for you. He still forgives you. He still, when you think about these things, it's really hard to treat somebody else without love. We should be constantly thinking about God's love. Why? Because the more that you think about God's love and you try to focus on God's love, what happens? You start believing that he actually loves you. The problem is many people sitting in this room don't fully believe that God's love you. God, I don't believe God loves me. Why? Well, I don't, I don't know, Mo, you think you're being a little harsh. I think everybody in here believes it. To be honest with you, I honestly don't think so. Because if we truly believe that God loves us, our, 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 our entire lives would be revolutionized. It would be a completely different way of living. The more that you believe that God loves you, uh, I have this statement here, because love believed is the mother of love returned. Meaning this, the more that you believe God loves you, the more that you return love. Uh, when, when I was uh, first starting to talk to my wife, or she wasn't my wife at the time, but Susanna, my wife, uh, when we first started talking, it wasn't really a mutual, it wasn't a mutual feeling, okay? Uh, I really liked her, and I was like, wow, that's something else right there. So I was, uh, I was um, it was for my uh, cousin's wedding. I was, we were out in California, and uh, I, I, uh, I was in the wedding party, and to be quite frank, I was, you know, single at the time, and uh, I, crazy enough, um, you know, I was out with some friends, and I went on a date while I was out there at the time. I was single, but then when I saw her uh, at the wedding, I was like, huh, that's something. Um, I might need, to, might need to talk to that person. So uh, I started talking with her, and actually, I was the one who, uh, I was the bride, uh, I was the bridesmaid, <laughs> wasn't, she was the bridesmaid. I was a groomsman, and I walked her down the aisle, you know, trying to be kind of cool, you know, and just, you know, shooting the breeze, you know, what's up, you know, what's up, girl, you know, all this stuff, and she wasn't having it, to be completely honest with you. Quite frankly, she did not like men at all at this time, because she had just gone through a pretty, uh, or actually, no, she was with somebody at the time, um, and so I was like, you know, she's not going to like me, obviously, so I was like, all right, whatever, whatever, and so later on, this, this, this guy who she was with breaks up with her, and Desi, who's sitting on the front row with her, she was like, hey, Mo, my sister, you know, boyfriend broke up with her, you know, she, single. And I was like, so do you think I should like text her? Like, hey, I know your boyfriend broke up with you. What's up? You know, I don't think I, she was like, all right, we'll give it some time. I was like, all right. So I waited a few more months and she was like, hey, have you texted or messaged? I was like, no. So I start to message her and I'm telling her these nice things and I'm trying to, you know, and uh, she, she's still not having it. And for about seven months, she just didn't have it. It was, it was, she was very adamant about not talking to me. And I was just being persistent because I know that persistence always breaks down resistance. So I was like, I'm going to keep going until she tells me to stop. And so long story short, after a while, when she really thought about my persistence and she thought about how stunning of a person I actually was. (laughs) No, when she thought about, no, seriously, the, all the nice things that I would do and say, and the, and the, the love 
that I was beginning to try to show her, I care about you. I love you. And when we started growing, she started to return a little bit of love back to me. She would start to actually respond to my text quickly. And not three days later with a one-word answer. It was amazing. My point is, is this. The more that I loved her and the more that she accepted that love, the more that she was able to start giving back in return. The problem, I believe, with so many Christians is that we don't think about God's love enough. We, we sing these songs and we're just not present. Throughout the week, we don't think about his love. We don't sing about his love. And when you read scripture and when you listen to worship music, it's full of it. And that's the importance of listening to God's word and, and praying and constantly being in that relationship because the more you focus on God's love, the more you start to give that love back to him. And guess what? The more love you start to give back to him, the more it shows in others. Because in the, in the Bible, in this passage, it says that if we're not loving others, we don't love God. So let's close with this. How did God show his love? How did God do it? A lot of people show their love in different ways. How did God show his love? He showed his love, and, and, and we just read it in John three sixteen. He gave. God gave. That's how he showed us his love. So if we want to love like God, then we should give. When you understand and accept God's love through the gift of Jesus, you cannot help but be moved to love others and give others, or excuse me, give of yourself to others. It's an impossibility. You cannot help but be moved. Giving, this wasn't something that like, you know, you're like, oh, right, Pastor Capace told his son to go ahead. I mean, if he's not here, they're going to talk about giving anyways, right? Giving is a way that we can show our love to others. In fact, it's the way that God showed us his love. My closing thought is powerful, and it's really helped me to understand the whole purpose for giving for us. Here's my closing thought. We should give. Not because God needs something from us, but because he wants something for us. God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money, and he doesn't need your service, and he doesn't need my service. God desires us to give of our money and our time and our efforts and our energy and our gifts and talents he desires that we give that, not because he needs it, but because he knows that for us to experience this life in its fullness, we are to give. He tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19 tells us this pretty clearly. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Well, Mo, good news. I'm not rich. Yes, you are. Well, Mo, I don't think you realize. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know if you realize. I'm not rich. I don't have. Yes, you are. 
In this world, if you've ever had the opportunity to travel to a third world country, you are rich. If you've been able to travel to Papua New Guinea, where as a teenager I went and 10% of the population had a job, 10%, you talk about unemployment rate of 90%, that's rough. 10% has a job. Well, I wonder how much that 10% made, an average of 30 cents a day. We're rich. We've been blessed. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. Use your money to do good. Use my money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. One of the thoughts that really has been on my heart lately, and I actually spoke about it uh, at the uh, retirement center that we get to speak at, uh, I, sp- I, did, I spoke, uh, let's see, two or three weeks ago, and I like to bring my kids, and it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. We have retirement uh, center out at Garrett Manor, and Gospelite provides a service, and Miss Sonia will come up, and she'll sing some songs, and, and then we'll, we'll provide a message. And, and I talked about this thought of generosity. What does it mean to be generous? Well, there's two meanings of generosity or generous. What, one is giving more than what somebody needs, And number two is giving something that you may not have fully. What I mean by that is, first of all, you go to the Cheesecake Factory. Anybody ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? The portions there are ridiculous. I think you can consider those generous portions. It's way more than you can actually eat. And then you have the widow's might, right, in the Bible. The widow who didn't have much, but she gave what she had. That's a generous. It wasn't a lot. But it was what she had. I think today, and in this time of Christmas season and this time of giving, I think we should really reconsider this thought of giving. Not, oh man, it's, it's, it's a duty, but it's literally a part of us. I would, it would be amazing if Gospelite had members, including myself, when I show up next Sunday, I get in my seat And I think I cannot wait to figure out how I can give today. So often we we, we think about, you know, oh, there's just so many different things to give to. And they're they're constantly needing volunteers for things. And there's all, we got the the Lottie Moon offering. And then we've got the Christmas shoe box. And then now I'm looking here, we got Stomp Out Hunger. And they want us to help feed the homeless. Are you kidding me? And then we got, you know, Love Day, which Gethsemane House puts on. And we've got over 100 homeless people who will come and get haircuts and get fed and get clothes. And they're just asking us to do things all the time. And instead of that, I think about, man, if we'll reconsider God's love for us and we read this passage of Scripture and realize, wow, if we're not loving, we're not, we're not following what God wants us to do. And if we're not giving, we're not loving like God loves Look at verse 19. It says, By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. God isn't saying, I need your money to make my will be done. He's saying, I I want you to experience life in its fullness. 
And I'm experiencing this more and more in my life. I would not say that I've mastered this at all. But I can tell you this. The more that I've grown, and the more that I am slowly but surely being able to trust God more in my giving, not just of my money, but of my time, my life just seems to be getting much, much more amazing. It's not that I'm blessed with all this other stuff, and wow, it's it's just crazy. God's like, I, I gave this much, and now I have... It's just the fact that he's growing my trust and realizing, wow, how am I living off of this much when before I thought, there's no way I could live off this much, which was much more than what I'm, it's amazing. And I want this for everybody at Gospel Light, and God wants this for every one of his children, is to realize that the only way to really experience true life is to love, and the only way to love like God is to truly give, not out of duty, but out of literal, natural tendencies. So I put on here in your bulletin, if you open your bulletin, inside there, and you don't have to use the bulletin, there's a box. And that box is pretty large because I wanted you to be able to write down what you needed to write down. It could be whatever you want it to be. But the instructions of this is to write down a way to share the gift of love by giving. Just write down a way to share the gift of love by giving. It doesn't have to be giving to the church. I was at a church uh, last week. We were traveling for Thanksgiving break, and I was with uh, Darian and Tiffany, good friends of ours, and they said, man, we, you know, let's go to church. There's this really amazing church in Austin on our way back from San Antonio. Let's stop in Austin. Let's go to this church. And the whole message was, was just about kingdom building and, and, and generosity. And one of the things that he said that really was really cool to me, and I actually was like, man, I really love that thought, is he said, you know what? If you don't want to give to gospel, or he said, not, not gospel, he said, if you don't want to give to Red Rock, he said, give somewhere else. Because it's not about giving just to gospel light, even though that's an amazing thing and we need it and God commands it in his word to provide for the local church and, and, and he talks about being generous. But, but, but outside of that, if you're like, man, I just don't want to give to gospel light and I don't know if I trust this place or not and I don't know if I trust the financial pastor Jeff Manthe or not, give somewhere. Where are you giving? We call ourselves Christ followers, and where's the proof in that? Are we loving people to Jesus? Are we showing his love how he showed his love? By giving his life? I want you to write down some way that you can give love. I, was a, I did this uh, little thing in, in small group. We... Uh, we have Madhouse, our youth ministry on Wednesday nights, and uh, we talked about, um, you know, talk, we talked about how we could give love to other people and show that love to other people in our community. And they come up with some great, crazy, awesome ideas. One of the ideas they came up with was uh, buying some custom water bottles, and you know, where you can get the wrap around it, and we can put Madhouse on it, and then on the back we can put our, our, our uh, QR code that that Scott and, and some of the others made for our church with the gospel on it. They, they also said, hey, one way that we could do it would be to uh, maybe help out at Love Day, you know, have some students go over there and, and just help feed the homeless and do whatever we can to be generous to them. One of the really cool ways they had come up with was uh, they said, you know, we could do a clothes drive. But instead of bringing all the clothes that we don't like and we're like grown out of and, you know, have holes in them, Maybe we, we, we either give or buy the nicest 
thing that we really want. It's that pair of shoes that we really want or that, that sweater or that hoodie or that jacket. And we buy the nicest thing that like, we really want and then we can have uh, Hillcrest or, or Hillcrest Children Orphanage or Compact Children Services. The foster kids who don't have their parents with them right now, we can have them come and they get to choose what, whatever they want. I had a person after the message this morning at 9 a.m. in the service, I had somebody come up and say, you know what? He said, so often we come in here and we just, we hear an amazing message and we do nothing about it. He said, I'm glad you did that boxing. He said, I'm so blessed. He said, I go out and I buy my, I mean, you think about it. Everything we do in our life is, is, is pretty much for us. We wake up, we brush our teeth, and then we, we get ready, get ourselves ready. We dress ourselves in our nice clothes that we paid for. And then we, we you know, go work so that we can have money to provide for us and our families. And then we come home and we watch TV or play golf or do sports or work out. Or we do all these things and everything we do is for ourselves. Just think about it. Think about your day. It'd blow you away. It blows me away. I think about my day. Wow. All these things for myself. Which, by the way, you got to take care of yourself to help take care of others, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But I think about all these things, and I think about how many things am I doing for others? He said, you know, every time, he said, my challenge that I'm going to try to do and, and try to take on is every time that I buy myself any type of article of clothing, he said, I want to try to buy something comparable to that and give it to somebody. It's a great idea. But I want God to show you what he wants you to do. And what I want you to do this afternoon is actually maybe consider talking about it with your family. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe it's your aunts, uncle, whoever the family is. Or maybe it's just friends. But I just feel like we're so tied up. You know, we'll get home this afternoon and we're going to talk about who should be in the college football playoff. Or the NFL. We'll talk about whatever we're interested in. Why not just take five minutes and maybe just discuss our thing that we wrote down? Maybe it's a thing you do as a family. Why not take some application to this? Well, you know, Mo, I just, I don't know. I just, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't get it, man. It's just, it's too much. I think I give a decent amount and One of the things that I really hope that we understand today is the message itself isn't as much about the challenge at the end. I hope you understand that my challenge to you isn't just like to write something down and to do something good for somebody, but the ultimate challenge today, which will resolve everything else that we have in life, is to understand the love of God. To understand it for you. Maybe there's somebody in the room tonight, this morning, excuse me, that has never experienced the love of God. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, Mo, you said a lot of good things and I kinda, it kind of makes sense, but I don't know if I've ever truly experienced the love of God. If that's the case, I'll be up here in the front. And I'd love to talk to you about that, what that looks like. When you accept God's love, when you understand that his love is unconditional, It has nothing to do with what you've done. 
He doesn't love you any more because you do good things. He doesn't love you any less because you do bad things. He just loves you because he's love. I'm passionate about this thing of giving and generosity and sharing, but ultimately I'm passionate about gospel light, you, me, understanding God's love for us. Before I pray, I want to to invite the ushers to come up and bring the plates. We have an opportunity to give to the Lottie Moon offering. Scott had mentioned it earlier, and uh, I think sometimes it's, he, he'll announce it, and it's so quick that we don't have time to really think and pray about it. But I pray that you guys would have thought about God's love during this message. And think about, man, the IMB, they're getting the gospel out. If you read the bulletin, the Lottie Moon offering, 2.8 billion people don't know Jesus. They have, they have not heard the gospel. We're comfortable sitting here because we've heard it. 2.8 billion people haven't. And we have an opportunity to give. Well, Mo, I can't go over to you fill in the blank, but you can give so that somebody else can go. Well, we're going to find out how serious gospel light is about understanding God's love. And when we do, it's going to be really, really special. You can also text to give to the Lottie Moon offering. I'm going to check. That's what I like to do. I don't really carry cash around with me. So you can text Lottie Moon to our text to give. And literally it'll go straight to the Lottie Moon account. The church doesn't keep any of that. It goes straight to the IMB to get the gospel out to unreached people groups. I'm going to challenge you when we come up here to think about it. When you listen to the song we're about to sing, Jordan and the worship team is amazing. They're going to lead us in a worship song about God's love. And as you sing the words, I don't want you to just really just sing it. I want you to think about them. Think about what God's done for you. Think about it. Husbands, we're commanded to love our wives like Christ loved the church unconditionally. It doesn't matter if our wives treat us a certain way. We're commanded to love. We're commanded to love our children, parents. No matter what they do, no matter how frustrating it may get, no matter how impatient you might become, we're commanded to love them. We give them our money. We give them our time. We, get, we, we need to give to our kids and just invest in our kids. It's the greatest investment you could make for your children. It's just to invest in their time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. You're so good to us. You love us, and it's really just unbelievably amazing how your love is. As we sing this song, God, I hope you hear our hearts. It's not just our voices that I want you to hear. I want you to hear our hearts. I pray that you would touch somebody's heart today. Maybe it's somebody who's never experienced your love, or maybe it's somebody who has, but they've grown cold to it. I pray that you would literally tug on the heartstrings of each and every one of us in here to become more like you in this area of giving because we love. I pray that you would help it to become more natural and that gospel light will become a church that love is prominent 
grace is given. Forgiveness is extended freely because we love to give and we love to love. We pray that you'd give us all of these things in your son's name. Amen.